Welcome to the Startup of the Year podcast, where each episode we showcase exciting new companies from around the world. This podcast is produced by Established, creators of the Startup of the Year program. Established is focused on helping organizations with their innovation, startup, and communication strategies. And the winner of the 2020 Startup of the Year is Solo Funds. From Los Angeles, California. All right. Welcome to the stage, Travis. All right. Let's bring Travis back here. Congratulations, Travis. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Super, super, super excited. <clears throat> 2020 startup of the year. You, you're going to get one of these puppies too. I love it. I love it. We are so, so, so thankful. Um, thank you to the judges. Thank you to Established. Um, thank you to everyone. Um, we really appreciate this opportunity and are so thankful to uh, to be a winner amongst uh, such a great group of other companies. Um, I, I hope the other founders, we can stay in touch, but um really excited to uh to be amongst this group oh great and we we will help make that happen we want to bring bring it back like we've got you know all week we've had um different founders from from our alumni come back and and share their thoughts and journey along with um you know at, at the different sessions so we're going to continue to do that and obviously continue as much, much as we can to help you along the way and with your journey so we're excited to have you as part of our uh, alumni and obviously our winner and uh look forward to being a part of the journey yeah thank you so much Wow, that was very exciting. I think it's a good place to start here with a very special episode of our podcast where I'll be recapping some of the highlights from our 2020 Start the Year Summit. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Start the Year Podcast. I'm Frank Gruber, the co-CEO of Established, as well as the company behind Established uh, Ventures and Start the Year Podcast, obviously, and the program. So fresh off the adrenal rush from 2020 Summit, I wanted to come back and share a recap with you all for those of you that didn't get to attend. Uh, before we jump into that recap, though, we'd like to dive in with some updates, some thoughts, some advice from some of the established team members. First up, Rich Malloy. He's the VP of Engagement at Established. As all, he's also part of Established Ventures. He's going to share some tips for our startup founders listening with the VC Minute. Hi, this is Rich Malloy with Established Ventures, bringing you the VC Minute. Quick advice to help startup founders fundraise better. Let's talk about treating your fundraise like a sales process. At its core, selling and fundraising are very similar. In both cases, you are asking an individual or a company to give you money in exchange for something of value. In both cases, you are competing for a limited pool of capital from people with limited time that have a wide selection of choices available to them. Treating your fundraise like a sales process does not mean that you need to be a salesperson. What it does mean is that you should be organized because that organization gives you focus. You should have a system that you use to track potential investors, and it could be as simple as a spreadsheet or as involved as a fundraising-specific CRM. Having this organized approach will make it easier for you to focus your energy. For example, if you have a stage called targets filled with investors that you are targeting, then you can ask for referrals to specific investors from other people in your network. You can also track who you've pitched, when you've pitched them, what their interest level is, what amount they're willing to commit if they were to commit. Even just the visual representation of seeing this, of how many investors are in different stages, can help direct your energies for that next set of emails or meeting requests. Organization brings focus, and focus turns soft-circled VCs into committed capital. That's all for the VC Minute. Back to you, Frank. 
Thanks, Rich. Really appreciate it. Next up, we've got our Director of Partnerships, Jackie Dietrich, who's going to share some updates from our partner programs. Hey, everyone. It's Jackie Dietrich from the partnership team here at Established. I'm excited to be back with news for you from our partners. For women founders, you should know about iFund Women. It's a place where you can raise debt-free capital. They have tons of great workshops and guides that are all about combining capital, coaching, and connections that's really unique to this platform. They also have a crowdfunding e-course, so stop by the website to check that out. If you're a military spouse entrepreneur, we're huge fans of AMSE, AMSE, the Association of Military Spouse Entrepreneurs that connects you to tools and resources needed to become successful in launching and growing your business. This global network has over a thousand members, access to 20 or more digital and live events every month where you can meet other military spouse entrepreneurs. They also have a directory to Hispanic and Latinx-owned businesses that you can find at their site when you stop by to check out your community chapter by location. And if you're into sports tech, be sure to check out the new accelerator by Boomtown. It's in partnership with Comcast Universal. The application is open now. It's a three-month program with $50,000 in capital and $1.7 million in perks. We'd love to elevate the organization that has supported you or the fund that's invested in you. If you'd like to nominate a partner for the Startup of the Year Network, please do drop me a note. All the info is in the show notes. All right. Thanks, team. Great information as always. Now I wanted to share everyone that's listening out there, if you want to get involved in something that we're doing, any of these programs, including Startup of the Year, go out to www.established.us forward slash programs. That's www.established.us forward slash programs. There's a way to get notified when things new pop up on the radar or maybe some of the programs that we've already been talking about. You can also go to startupofyear.com. That's our kind of main site for everything Startup of the Year as well. All right, so let's talk about the summit. If you did not attend the summit last week uh, and really wanted to and, and wanted to get an update here, first off, we wanted to congratulate our big startup of the year winner, Solo Funds. They came home with the championship this year. Travis and his team, Travis Holloway and his team, are building a really fantastic company with a mission to provide affordable loans or access to loans for those in need by connecting borrowers with lenders through their convenient mobile marketplace. Pretty cool kind of concept as well as um, he's really got some traction as well uh, as it's been out there for a little bit, but he's, he's really growing quickly. And lenders, you know, can earn this, these appreciation tips where, where you know, borrowers will uh, set up their own payback terms and enjoy these uh, same-day receipt of their funds. So pretty cool stuff. Check it out. Solo Funds is the name of it. They're out of uh, Los Angeles, but they, they came through uh, Kansas City, I believe, as well as a Techstars Accelerator as well. So looking forward to that bright future for Solo Funds, and um, they're going to be making an impact in the world, and I'm excited to continue to watch their journey now as a Startup of the Year champion. Um, as part of that, they, they won a number of prizes and, and different things, but one of the things that we're looking at now is an investment from Established Ventures, our, our investment arm, so that's that's in path, and we're excited to be involved. So um, during the summit, we also did narrow thousands of applications down to uh, 100 companies, and those 100 companies um, you know, then were vetted down by an amazing group of judges throughout the three days that then came up to our top 15 companies, which included a number of great companies from all around the country. These companies included um, Freeman Capital, Yellow Card, Andonix, Mitero, Cherry Blossom Intimates, Inclusology, Griffin, Mito Material Solutions, Sweet Bio, Odalith Labs, Finmark, Genie, Oi Health, 
glass, and of course solo funds. The judges then were able to narrow down those 15 to the top five. And the top five included Finmark, which I just mentioned out of Raleigh, who eliminates the need for a complex spreadsheet. They're kind of creating a simple to use platform for founders of startups to be able to create update and share their financial plans. So think about it. Any startup out there that are listening probably could benefit from checking out Finmark right now. Also, we got Glass, who was uh, really interesting, a software for uh, you know government procurement. Uh, really interesting take on it and uh, has a lot of traction as well, especially during the, the whole COVID um, pandemic. They've been able to really uh, move quickly and, and uh, help a lot of people out with procurement. procurement. Uh, Genie, which we saw at our South by Southwest event, uh, they won that event to fast track to to our our semifinals, and then obviously did well there too, and ended up in our top five. Uh, is an on on demand interpreters. Uh, it's on on demand interpreters for better communication, and then Oi Health. Uh, they've got a vision to provide access to bilingual um, English and Spanish speaking healthcare professionals that includes doctors, nurses, psychologists. Um, you know, basically all those different professionals. So really interesting take there on, on health for those that are not insured necessarily and uh, need to get access to these people. And of course, we had solo funds. They, they took home the championship and um, really did an amazing job pitching. We also this year had a special category. We had the .us Veteran Startup of the Year category, thanks to our partner .us domain, uh, the domain .us, and uh, had a great, great time vetting down companies. We had 18 companies. Uh, in the top 100 that were veteran-led, and three in the top five that were veteran-led. And we're proud to announce that Genie won the $10,000 non-dilutive cash prize, which gives, you know, the, given to this the uh, the team with the veteran-led company. It was either a veteran, spouse, or dependent. Actually happened to be their co-founder, um, who who actually was the, the veteran, and uh, really great, uh, great stuff that they're doing out of D.C. Now, we also had some other awards at the event as well. We had our Start of the Year World Impact Awards, which were a number of companies that were doing amazing things to help better actually change the world. So we had uh, Lita Health, as well as Leaf Global, Vonzella, 70 Million Jobs, CPR Wrap, Perimeter, and Youth Enrichments. All were part of that Start of the Year World Impact Award winners uh, for 2020. So congrats to all there. All right, there were also honorable mentions as well. Congrats for being uh, making it to the honorable mention component. Uh, didn't make it to the top 15, but did a great job. Spira, Cloud Campaign, uh, Otrify, Addies Rentals. Uh, we had Calendar.com, Refactor, Tilt, Tip Tags, Rosie, True Genomics, Beagle Learning, Linus Medical, uh, Target Arm, Fulcrum, and Gardenio. Congrats to all. And as we mentioned last week at the summit, we were going to announce the, the People's Choice Award after the summit. So People were, were voting online all the way leading up to and then through the summit. And we're now at that point where we've tallied up all the votes from the summit and we're happy to announce the winner of the 2020 Start With Your People's Choice Award is Griffin out of Tampa Bay, Florida. Griffin is an app that is pretty cool. It's a pretty cool app that you can download. I just downloaded it myself. It allows you to invest in in the companies that you buy things from. So if you can imagine, let's, for example, I just ordered groceries at uh, Whole Foods this morning. And, uh, you know, that's Amazon owns owns Whole Foods. So uh, by, by making that purchase of my groceries, I'm now actually able to invest in Amazon thanks to that purchase. So pretty cool. Uh, pretty cool app. Check it out if you haven't already. You can just go get it. It's G-R-I-F-I-N, Griffin. If you go to the App Store, you can go check it out and download it and give it a whirl. 
All right, so aside from the winner of the People's Choice, we also had some other categories. We had the FinTech and Security category, which the winner was just Protect. We had the Health, Wellness, and MedTech Biotech category, and the winner was Clear Child Psychology. Congrats there. The winner of the Platform Technology AR, VR, AI, Robotics is uh, Agility, and the Social Impact uh, Lifestyle, Culture, and EdTech Smart Cities category was Neolith, and congrats to all our winners. Great job. And uh, obviously, have a lot of fans out there because you had the most votes from the People's Choice Award. Thanks to everyone that voted. All right, so moving on, we, we want to just give a quick uh, recap. If you didn't join the summit, there were lots of opportunities to connect. We had some amazing sessions. We had our Ask Me Anything sessions, which included VCs and thought leaders. And uh, we had reporters like TechCrunch reporters and PR specialists, as well as our alumni spotlight, which included some of our alumni from the Startup the Year um, program over the past eight years. So amazing conversations, great knowledge shared, as well as a number of experts and that all became a part of this this uh, summit. And you can go check out who those folks were over at summit.startupofyear.com. Check out the summit expert summit experts tab and see who everyone was. But um, great conversations there. We'll be dripping out some of the interviews and thoughts that were shared throughout the the three days uh, on the course of the next couple couple months as we, we want to make sure some of this knowledge is shared with everyone. Uh, we also had curated office hours. We had regular office hours, people connected through our networking hallways. We had great conversations with some exciting speech speakers, which included Tim Draper, who's a venture capitalist, Kara Golden uh, from Hint Water, as well as the new author, the author of the new bestseller, Undaunted. We had Mike Evans, the who shared an amazing story about how he took Grubhub from just getting it going all the way to IPO and then you know, left and biked across the country and then started his new company, Fixer. We had Rohit Bargava, who shared some of his non-obvious megatrends. Meredith Feynman telling us how to brag better. Whitney Johnson teaching us how to disrupt ourselves. Svi Band telling us and sharing us how, how to better build better relationships that last and with his uh, story about Contactually, which ended up getting acquired by Compass. Lo Tony about his new funding strategy with Plexo Capital, which spun out of GV or Google Ventures. Um, Jimena Hartsock, who who admitted on the podcast or on the show for the first time that um, her company uh, phone to action was actually acquired, which is exciting news. So we had heard that it was breaking news at our summit. Uh, phone to action was acquired, which is pretty cool. Uh, and they continue to grow that, that product uh, as well as the, the impact that phone to action made, making sure that 10 million people um, went out and voted at the, the past election, which is pretty amazing work. And also Sunil Gupta shared his, uh, his uh, kind of startup stories, as well as um, how to become more backable, which is pretty cool. Uh, he's got a new book coming out here in February called Backable. So too many people to thank, but I wanted to quickly thank some of our sponsors. As I mentioned uh, earlier, .us and a partnership with .us allowed us to create the new .us Veteran Startup Year program. We, we kind of share our own, you know, supporting these uh, underserved and underrecognized innovators. And one of those categories is uh, veterans. So um, we're excited to be working with them this past year and hope to in the future as well. Nearly uh, 20% of this year's applicants were actually veteran-led. Uh, we had 18 out of, out of the top 100 were veteran-led startups. So that's pretty amazing numbers. And then three out of the top five were veteran-led as well. So lots of veterans this year involved in our program. And some of the top companies that came out of the program were veteran-led. We also want to thank Cloud303 for their sponsorship and participation in the summit. Uh, Phil Sapinski actually was at the summit and gave an AMA about how to better leverage your 
your cloud, uh, cloud, uh, basically he's a specialist on cloud utilization over whether it be uh, AWS or whatnot. And so really great stuff and wanted to thank him for being a part of that. So thank you, Phil, as well as many more sponsors, too many to announce and mention. But if you go over to summit.startupofyear.com, you can see all of the startup, uh, all the summit sponsors and partners. Uh, We couldn't do it without you. So thank you very much. Now, our finals was concluded on Wednesday uh, of of the summit, so the third day of the summit. And we had some amazing judges for the competition. Uh, we had Anna Mason, who's a partner at Revolution Rise of the Rest in their seed fund. We had Karen Kerr, who's the founder and managing director of Expedition Ventures, or Exposition Ventures, which more or less was uh, is new, but before that she was at GE Ventures and has done a lot of investments over the course of the last several years. Um, Lo Tony, who's the founding managing partner of Plexo Capital, which I mentioned earlier, spun out of GV. Uh, Mary Grove, who's the founding partner at uh, Bread, and Bunch- Bread and Butter Ventures, which previously she was at uh, Revolution and uh, Rise of the Rest Fund. And then also Dan Mendez, who is the founding and managing partner at NextGen Venture Partners, which is a seed state venture fund that has invested in, uh, in a number of companies and has over 1,400 venture partners, which includes myself and my co-founder, um, co-CEO, Jen Consavo. So excited to see these great investors uh, come be a part of this uh, conversation and as well as share their knowledge and, and let us know what they think about these different companies, the top five that pitched. Um, Rich Malloy from our team uh, joined actually to moderate a, a candid conversation with these judges. And so I wanted to share that conversation because I always can think you can learn from um, other VCs and investors and what they're thinking about and what they're, what they're seeing out there in the, in the industry. And I thought it'd be good for the start of your audience. So let's take a listen. Uh, so that was awesome. I mean, holy cow. I uh, I don't know how um, I don't know who to pick. I mean, they were such great startups. Um, but you know, the one thing that that I love about startup of the year is is that there's always great geographic diversity. And and so this year we've got Berkeley, Washington D.C., L.A., Morristown, New Jersey, Raleigh, North Carolina in the top five. But I feel like it's easier now as a VC to invest nationally. Uh, because everybody's doing everything Zoom. This is the norm for right now. Uh, how has that been for you to, you know, to invest? Is, have you just always, you know, uh, invested over Zoom or is this, uh, is this something new for you? It's definitely something new for me. I definitely, I, I enjoy meeting the entrepreneur in person and, uh, uh, and visiting their facility. I think you learn a lot when you get a chance to visit their facility and see how they interact. Uh, with their colleagues, so this is uh, this is definitely something new. I would say it's definitely easier to take meetings. That's for yeah. sure. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so probably the number of meetings I've taken has gone way up. I'm not That's sure good. that capital deployed has gone way up, but it's hmm. uh, number of meetings has gone way up. Yeah, and so are you meeting people from? Are you meeting people from areas where you normally wouldn't? Uh. Well, that's an interesting question because I mean, I'm based in Chicago, so I do cover a lot of uh, places in the Midwest, but yeah, probably deeper into some of these Midwestern places that I wouldn't normally get in my car and drive to. Yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, totally, totally. Anna, what about from the revolution perspective? You know, you're, the yeah. Rise of the Rest tour is, you know, top of mind for for everybody that's outside, you know, that's that's inland, if you will. Um, uh, but Revolution, you know, has has invested across the U.S. for years. So tell us about how has this changed for you? Yeah, um, not a lot has changed for us other than the fact that we unfortunately 
can't physically be out on the road meeting people where they are, which is something that has been core to our DNA and our thesis. And um, we're obviously incredibly passionate about. Um, but, you know, while, while people, I think, know and recognize our, you know, our our bus, our tour bus, um, we are actually not a bus tour fund and 99% of the investing that we do is normal course of business venture investing that we've historically done um, largely over um, over Zoom. And so I think where I'm, I'm with you, I think the pace of deals feels really accelerated. I'm heartened to see a lot more folks in particular from the coast appear to be kind of picking up their heads and going, oh, okay, if I can't, if I can't go grab a coffee with you down the block, you know, maybe it's not such a big deal and I can be investing with you across the country. Um, we actually just took a look at this data internally at RN. We decided to look at the third quarter because um, I think 2Q is a little bit of a wash all around this year. Mm -hmm. um, it really felt like deals picked up in 3Q. So we, we took a look back from 2017 to today um, at early stage deals defined as pre-seed through series A for investments outside of San Francisco, New York, and Boston. Um, and not only are the number of deals up pretty dramatically from 2017 till today, um, but the percentage of coastal investors investing in those regions is up just under 10% from about 33% or so to 42%. Um, so that's not necessarily like a COVID era phenomenon, um, but it's been great, I think, to see that acceleration over the last couple of years, and it hasn't petered out with COVID, which I think is really encouraging. Totally. Yeah. Anecdotally, I have seen that and felt it um, investing in the, you know, in outside of the coasts. Um, you know, Dan, you guys for, for next gen, you've got a very distributed model. Uh, you know, how are you seeing, how is, how, how is the, the, you know, the Zoom investing changing how next gen is working? Yeah, so I, I think that Zoom is taking over all of our lives, right? If you want to invest, you know, you gotta you gotta uh, become okay uh, with doing more and more work uh, through Zoom. And and as Anna and Karen mentioned, it can be more efficient when you don't actually have to hop on a plane or, or even you know travel across town to uh, to have a coffee. And uh, and certainly it opens up geographies in a different way. So we are um, negotiating with a company uh, in uh, Kansas City right now. Um, that would be our first investment outside of um, sort of call it eight eight cities, which are probably eight of the ten cities that you would expect, right? For our, our prior, you know, our prior uh, you know investment portfolio. Um, so uh, so we're excited about that. I would say that there has been a conventional wisdom in venture uh, historically that Rise of the Rest, among others, is sort of fighting against, and, and I think with a really interesting thesis. But the conventional wisdom is there are certain cities that that allow for scale in a different way, right? That you can attract talent, you know, if you are scaling, you can attract talent more quickly in some cities uh, than in others that allows you to continue to grow. And increasingly these companies are virtual. Uh, so, um, uh, we'll see where things are a year from now, two years from now, three years from now, but, uh, the, the companies that, you know, I work with and where I'm on the board, they have to hire talent now and they can't mm -hmm. wait to you know, get back to an office to do that. And so increasingly we're seeing people hiring from anywhere and really time zones matter more than anything else. Not, you know, not, you know can you come to the office every day? Uh, so there's no reason a company in Kansas City can't hire talent from San Francisco or New York or Argentina or wherever it might be uh, and scale just as well as any other company that might be headquartered in, you know, uh, in Palo Alto. Hey, Dan, yeah. call me on that Kansas City deal. I want to know what it uh, 
Limit, <laughs> limited allocation, my friend, as with so many of these things. <laughs> Although, Dan, there's no reason for the, that engineer to stay in San Francisco, quite frankly. It could, and many move, reasons to leave. Move to the Midwest and, and uh, have a lower cost of living. Oh yeah, I bet, I bet a lot of real estate agents in San Francisco would uh, lament, and New York will lament that phenomenon. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it was it was interesting to see the um, friends fleeing uh, New York City um, and for uh, for the suburbs and how that has shifted as well. Uh, Lo, what are you seeing from uh, from the Bay Area? Uh, you know, for for your investments, has that changed how uh, you know how Plexo is is moving and investing? It hasn't really changed only because we have been, I mean, I pre COVID, I think we did three investments directs where we hadn't met the, the entrepreneur in person. In fact, I think actually four and two out of those four, we still haven't met the entrepreneur in person. So it's something that we had been doing. So maybe we're feeling a little bit vindicated um, to a degree because zoom had just become part of our lives. But no question, I think, along with all the other panelists, what we're seeing likely will not be reversed. The a lot of companies had already moved towards a distributed workforce. I mean, the one that I, that I think of, you know, GitHub is um, is the one that that comes to mind. But I think we've gone to the point where innovation didn't know any boundaries anyway. I mean, innovation doesn't know where city lines or state lines lie. Innovation doesn't know what the stock market is doing or what the economy is doing. Innovation happens anywhere. You know, there is no geographic location that has a monopoly on good ideas. I think what we have seen to, to Dan's point is that historically it's just been easier for companies to be able to scale certain aspects, whether that's hiring or, you know, having a density of people when going to the office needed to happen. Uh, and I still think there is some benefit to going to the office, but there's a lot of smart entrepreneurs that are working on replicating a lot of those things that are inherent inside of an office, like the serendipity of having an impromptu meeting or having a colleague get up to speed quicker because they're in an open seating environment and they have the ability to kind of hear what their other colleagues that are more tenured have to say. And so I think there are certain aspects that, that will ultimately be replicated by all the smart entrepreneurs. It seems like every GP that I talked to recently that's doing something in enterprise, it's all about future of work. So everyone's thinking about these ideas that need to be put in place to solve for things that we had never encountered before in a hopefully soon post COVID world where some of the behaviors that we're experiencing today become some of these new norms. Um, so it's exciting to see. I think a lot of folks are gonna be able to invest in great entrepreneurs, uh, you know, and people are going to need to eat their own dog food. <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's definitely. Yeah. yeah. And Mary, you know, so you're uh, with Bread and Butter Ventures, you know, uh, striking out and 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 uh, and raising a fund. Um, Karen, you're raising exposition exposition too, right? And so, you know, what is what is that like? Um, you know, communicating, catching up, meeting networking with LPs, trying to raise a fund uh, in, you know, in this era? Well, it's been a fascinating year on every level, no doubt. And so my quick story is earlier this year, I teamed up with my partner, Brett Broll, um, to evolve his previous fund, the syndicate fund into bread and butter. So, you know, all during this remote period to 
debut a new firm to actively deploy capital and to fundraise at the same time. It's been uh, it's been fascinating. But I think you know, for for me, my personal inclination, and I grew up at Google for 15 years in highly distributed teams. The last team I was a part of um, and built was distributed across 17 time zones. We could only ever be together twice a year. So I think I've, I've become very familiar and comfortable with remote work, distributed work, both directly, but also in working with, with entrepreneurs. And so it's been, um, it's been wonderful. It's been efficient. It's been, we've made seven investments uh, since June, all of which have been virtual. Two of those are, are based in Minnesota where we are headquartered, but we haven't met in person. And so, oh, wow. you know, it's, it's uh, and it's just to to keep everybody, you know, keep everybody as safe as possible. But I, I feel like the deal flow has been stronger and higher quality, um, in both volume and and diversity, in every sense of that word, than it's ever been. And I think it's because a lot of entrepreneurs are coming off the sidelines, and our firm, Bread and Butter, focuses specifically on what we think are the bread and butter sectors of the modern economy moving forward, which are uh, food tech, health tech, and enterprise SaaS, and so. And that maps to, to our Minnesota backyard here. And so I think it's been, you know, advantageous overall from a fundraising perspective. That is challenging. I mean, the, the plus side, as, as somebody noted earlier, is it's easier to get meetings. People are much more willing to entertain that that quick Zoom. And so part of it, as, as we feel for entrepreneurs, too, it's relationship building, whether it's for this fund or the next one or this round for them or the next one. It's a great time to just leverage that. I wouldn't call it downtime, but that virtual time to build more connectivity and build more relationships. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I love it. I've definitely have seen the, you know, I think we talked about this or this came up earlier as well as the, the, the speed at which fund or deals are moving and the competition for that as well is, has been changing pretty dramatically. Um, you know, Karen, what have you been seeing for, uh, for exposition and how has that been going? You know, I think on the fundraising, I mean, in, to some extent, it's very similar to an entrepreneur trying to, to raise funds, you know, at the so beginning, uh, uh, at the beginning of COVID, uh, you know, I think everybody was in crisis management mode, what's happening in the portfolio, um, if you, for the venture funds, and then for the LPs, they were trying to look at what's happening in the underlying portfolios and get a sense of of uh, what to expect there. So I think that we went through a period where nobody was really doing anything. Then I think we went through a period where um, LPs were making investments in funds that they already had in their pipeline where they had an opportunity to meet them. Um, and I think now we're starting to move beyond that to like, how do you start doing uh, investing in funds that weren't in your pipeline where you hadn't had a chance to meet people before, but uh, certainly, I'm getting, uh, I'm, I'm having more meetings than I thought possible. And, and I think, uh, candidly, actually, probably the cost of fundraising has come down because I'm not, you know, traveling all over the country to visit these LPs. Oh, um, absolutely. Um, um, so, you know, uh, Mary, you or Dan, go ahead. No, I was just going to jump in that I, I think, you know, Karen's absolutely right. You know, r raising money for a fund manager is, there's a lot of anal an analogy there to a startup raising money from venture funds themselves. It's a lot of work. It takes time. Hopefully we create, have there's some empathy for entrepreneurs who, who have to uh, raise money from folks like us. Um, but I would just, you know, echo Karen's point that I think in many ways it's easier um, in, in a COVID environment. Um, so we had that experience where we, we raised half a fund pre COVID 
hit pause when it looked like, you know, who know who knew what was going to happen in the world and then waited a few months and said, you know what, business is sort of getting back to normal and and completed the fundraise. And it was, you know, fat, you know, raising the second half was easier than raising the first half. Uh, and um, and I think part of that was just people have growing accustomed to doing business uh, virtually. And, and you do lose something with that, but the pace can go faster. And there's a lot to be said on the positive side for that. Yeah, so do you think, so I'm curious to, you know, to everybody here, do you, you know, do you think that the pace of, you know, the way that deals are moving um, is because it's just easier for everybody to, to just hop on a Zoom and you don't have to meet in person? Or do you think it's because there's more funds from the coast coming in and participating? Or both? I think it's the later stage funds who are not as comfortable writing a five or $10 million check over Zoom, but are sitting on dry powder and can get really comfortable with, you know, a handful of shots on goal with like a couple half a million to $2 million checks are putting some pressure on the market um, that while absolute number of deals are not up, the best deals, there's more competition for the best deals. So anecdotally, you know, we saw a deal out of, I won't name the state because literally this is like probably one of the only companies that's going to raise this amount of funding in, in that, in that state, but like multiple term sheets after the deal was locked Fought, there was, you know, a follow-on round that was done with a, you know, a convertible note, a cap that was like 10 plus million dollars above where the round priced, like extraordinary, like that kind of momentum weren't necessarily seeing before. So I think there's some competition coming from some of these later stage funds. And candidly, I'm not sure that's a great thing over the long term for, um, the life cycle of some of these investments because you need to make sure that there's sort of incentive alignment across the investment syndicate. Um, and if you've got a lead where, you know, the check is a lot smaller than they might historically write, they might be happy to orphan that deal if it doesn't go up into the right as quickly as they expected. So I think it's a mixed mm -hmm. bag and we're very much so in a you know, to, too early to say moment in terms of how this plays out holistically. Yeah, interesting. Is anybody else seeing you know, later stage funds turning into multi-stage funds? Definitely, definitely seeing that and seeing the trend of, you know, we've been on the ground Midwest for a while and there's always been some degree of interest from our coastal colleagues for deal flow, but that has increased by multiples. I would say as far as opportunities to help our current companies with additional fundraising, and I think you just have more, more companies in market period, right? Including the model of we're opening up the round from last year at the same terms to try to extend our runway by a little bit. Um, we saw a lot of that early in the summer, you know, and just or, or seed extension. And we're just gonna just more advantageous economics for the investor right now. And maybe that'll shift, but um, I also have seen the reverse of, you know, these the hottest deals in our market will be in our market of Minnesota that is being snatched up, you know, the round is done in two weeks with six term sheets from coastal funds with no time for diligence. And, you know, fortunately that the goal is to build that relationship over the course of time. So we have a seat in, in that, at that table, but definitely a dynamic that we're seeing. 
So, yeah, I think ahead, I think just I mean as a general matter, uh, COVID has accelerated a lot of trends that I think you could argue well for as terrible as COVID is, you could argue are helpful for innovation, which is capital has become more fluid across geographies, labor has become more fluid across geographies. Um, we saw today with many of these startups that they they have tailwinds because of COVID. The need for their product is uh, is much greater. The ability, in some cases, for them to deliver that product uh, is uh, is better than it was pre-COVID. Uh, so, you know, I think as Lois was saying, it, it is a great time to be in the innovation economy. Um, you know, while unfortunately there's so many so many terrible things happening around us. Absolutely. And that you know ties back to the quality of companies we've been seeing have been have been incredible. I mean, I really feel like you know the last few months have been the qualities have been uh, have been pretty extraordinary. So it's 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 been pretty awesome to see. So I I think uh, go ahead, Karen. I'll let you jump in. I was just going to say it's been pretty gratifying to see that um, really qualified entrepreneurs who bring deep domain industry expertise are launching new businesses during this time frame, And that's exciting to see. I'm seeing a lot of that in the Midwest. Yes. Yeah. I love deep domain expertise. And, you know, it's like what Gary V said at the beginning, you know, you got to have to build a product that you're passionate about and that you're going to, um, you know, that you care about deeply and that you're going to, you know, transform the world with this because let's face it, entrepreneurship is hard. It is so hard. And I, we, you know, uh, I, we all feel for the for the founders and the entrepreneurs that have got to wear every single hat until they can hire one person to take one of those hats away and then hire the next person to take one of those hats away. And then they've got to put their whole business on pause while they fundraise and then, you know, go out and, and, and take it all from there. So it's, um, you know, it is a it is a, a hard journey. It is a rewarding journey. But um, the, for those that are that are dedicated to it, you can't do can't think about doing anything else. Um, so. Uh, thank you all for your support for um, for startups everywhere, uh, for the startup ecosystem, for startup of the year. We're so grateful you spent time with us today that you got to meet some of the companies from our community. Wow, incredible stuff. Thank you so much. Thank you to our judges. Thank you, Rich, for moderating that conversation. What an amazing event that uh, really summed up a uh, really <laughs> roller coaster of a year. But we, we obviously got through it, pushed on through and appreciate everyone's support for, for making it possible. As I mentioned, if you're interested in getting and being a part of the app, uh, application process for Startup of the Year, you can go to startupofyear.com, find out more about the program. There's an application there. Or go to established.us, www.established.us forward slash programs. And you can apply to uh, or to get notified and learn more about some of our Startup of the Year programs as well, as well as other programs that we work with. All right. So thanks again for everyone listening. If you hadn't already, please subscribe to our podcast or view it. We'd love to hear from you. Really appreciate the feedback out there. Helps us with making sure that this podcast gets better every time. And uh, we'll be back next week with a regular formatted episode. This has been kind of a unique one because we're excited. We wanted to make sure we shared all these updates from our Startup of the Year uh, uh, Summit, which just happened, as well as the kind of conclusion of the 2020 Startup of the Year uh, Startup of the Year program. So thanks, everyone, for being a part of it. For those out there that are listening and have a startup idea, want to get it started, don't wait. Get it started today. Today is the best day to start up. And until next time, I'm Frank Gruber signing off. Stay safe out there and be well. Thanks for listening to the Startup of the Year podcast. Be sure to subscribe and we'll be back with another episode soon.